So Elijah is going to hand out our communion. So as, as he's handing it out, I want to explain something. Always when we focus on communion, the basis of communion is celebrating Jesus' life, death, burial, resurrection, right? We're, we're proclaiming that Satan has been defeated. It's spiritual warfare. We know that the bread represents his body that was broken for us. We know the grape juice or the wine, whatever you want to say, the juice represents his blood being shed for us. Today, I want to take it a little farther to be an actual tool for spiritual warfare. There's something going on today that a lot of you probably don't know because it doesn't get advertised. But today is a solar eclipse in part of the world. We won't see it here. I think you see it in India and some other places. And it's called the ring of fire. So it's when the moon almost completely eclipses the sun in certain areas. And when it does so, it creates a ring of fire around the moon. Okay? So what's the significance of that? There are some Satan worshipers in the world that use that to do ritual things. They may want to think Johnny Cash's song. I don't know. There are some specific Luciferian Satan worshipers that have organized marches in the United States for today to do witchcraft, to do seances, to do prayers against our government for the, to continue the chaos. Kind of looks like they're doing it already, right? So today, as we take communion, we are taking it absolutely to thank Jesus for his broken body, absolutely to thank Jesus for the blood he shed. Well, we're going to do it today with specific prayers to fight spiritual warfare that's happening against our country today. Now, I trust God's will in everything. These Luciferian people are praying for a new world order. That's specifically what they're praying for. So I've got to be honest, when God put this on my heart to pray about it, I'm a little conflicted. I want to pray against it hurting our government, but on the same hand, when the new world order comes, we get to go to heaven. So I'm going to pray against it, but I'm also going to pray that God's will is done. When we were worshiping, all I could hear God telling me to keep saying to him was, your will be done, Father. Your will be done. So has everybody got their communion? Somebody throw me one, please. Everybody good? So we take this bread in honor of Jesus' broken body that was broken for you. Jesus took on beatings, lashings, within inches of his life for our healing. So we take this bread for that healing. And we take this juice in remembrance of Jesus' blood that was shed for each of you, for me, for each of you. So I'm going to pray, Father, I thank you for the opportunity to gather together with our family and take communion today. I thank you for Jesus' body that was broken. I thank you for his blood that was shed. And today, Father, we declare that taking communion is an act of spiritual warfare against Satan, against his minions, against all the evil spirits of the world that are trying to take over. So, Father, First, I praise you and thank you that you're exposing what the enemy is doing right in front of our eyes. It's not happening in the shadows in the dark where we don't know 
where we can't pray. It's happening out in the light, and it can't be in the dark anymore, so we can pray. So thank you, Father, for exposing it so we can pray for our country and for our leaders. This isn't a political thing. This is a spiritual warfare thing. So, Father, I ask that you raise shields of protection, shields of faith around our president and around all the leaders of our country. And, Father, if there is a leader in our country, no matter what piece of leadership from the president down, and they're not submitting to you, I first ask that they would submit to you and kneel to you, Jesus. And when they do, please protect them with the shield of faith that they have in you, Father. Father, continue to shed your light. Continue to shed your light to expose what the enemy is doing in this time. Continue to wake people up that this isn't, this is not a political party versus party. This is not a color against color. This is a battle between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And God, I thank you that your kingdom wins. And we know that in advance. We're not fighting a fight that we don't know the answer to. So thank you, Jesus. Father, help our leaders to stand up against what the enemy is doing. Help our leaders from the president, vice president, cabinet on down to stand up against what Satan is doing. Standing firm, knowing that Jesus is our Lord and Savior and Jesus has conquered. Father, awaken our churches. We've prayed a lot for this lately. Awaken our churches. Not this building, not just the people in this building, but awaken the church, the body, the body of Christ around the world, around the United States, to stand up and fight the right fight. Not to cower down in their homes, but to fight. Jesus, confuse what the enemy is doing. Confuse them. When they show up to rally, they can't even get organized. Just like the armies that came against the Israelites, where your angels defeated them before the Israelites even stood up to fight. We pray for that kind of protection. We cancel the assignments of Satan against our president, against our government, against our history. Father, I'm asking you to put a supernatural anointing on our government leaders. That they would bring you back into everything to protect our country from the chaos that's ensuing everywhere. And I ask you to send ministering angels to encourage all of our leaders. Every one of them. Whether we agree or disagree with them, Father, I'm asking you, their life is precious to you. We live in this world where we either love someone or we hate them. We stand on one side or the other. Father, the people that I support, bless them. The people that I can't stand in government, bless them. It's bigger than me and my thoughts. Father, just prick their hearts if they're not following you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so today's Father's Day, and we're going to do things a little different. We're going to keep our children in here today. And a bunch of parents just went, <gasps> it's going to get chaotic, right? It's okay. We live in a world of chaos. If your kids get chaotic, I don't care. It's fine. Um, we're going to make it short today. I promise you that. I, I, I think we've been really long the past couple of weeks. Um, so I'm going to do my best to keep it short today. Um, I do have a couple announcements I want to run through real quick. Ryan, if you can help me out. If you missed last week's announcement, we are having... 
a multi-church revival June 23rd, 24th, and 25th here at the farm. July 23rd, 24th, what I say? June, if you show up on June 23rd, you might be the single person revival. We're here, I'll worship with you. July 23rd, 24th, 25th, there'll be at least three churches. We're going to invite a lot more churches, so get the word out. Tell people you know. You know people in other churches, this isn't about harvest and silos. We're not going to mention our name, the other churches' names, we're not going to mention them. We're just going to get together and worship and have revival together. Um, so pray for us because we're getting together with him weekly. We're getting our worship teams together this week for the first time. Um, Andy got to spend some time with our worship leader this past week. But we're getting everyone together to try to start getting in unity. So just pray for unity. And we're going to be getting with a lot of you guys over the next week or two to ask you to do specific things if you're going to be able to come. Um, prayer teams servants to park cars you know we don't know if 100 people will come or 2,000 so remember the field of dreams analogy a year ago God said if you build it they will come maybe this is when it's going to happen um, this coming Thursday we have youth here at the church at 7 p.m. Woo! Mike go ahead Woo. the next Thursday we'll have worship and prayer night from 6 to 8 p.m. So that has been really popular amongst some people that have been. So we had a suggestion last week that we start taking a Sunday every once in a while and make it a worship Sunday, like the way we do it on Thursday night. So we're going to do that for the first time in July, still working out the dates there. But that way we'll give all the worship team, whoever's preaching, that sort of thing, a rest, and we can just worship and pray together. Um, but our next official one, sorry, Ryan is Thursday, not this Thursday, but the next Thursday. So this coming Thursday is youth, the next Thursday is worship. Then on July 3rd, we're going to have a July 4th party. So don't get confused by that. <laughs> on July 3rd, we're going to have a 4th of July party. I don't know exactly what this is going to look like yet because Wendy and I were driving in the car and we are like, hey, you think we ought to do something 4th of July? And we both agreed. We both agreed on Friday night versus Saturday night, and we got to plan it. But my thought is, yes, there will be fireworks. <laughs> Yes, ma'am. Yes, I will send these dates out on a text. Yes, I will try to do it all at one time. Um, the goal is maybe to have a food truck here. So you come and you can eat here. And we may change the time. I just threw that up this morning. Um, but we'll have a food truck. Just hang out. You know, this is kind of the, we, we promised during the COVID stuff that when all this passed over, we would come together and just have some family time. And even though the world says the COVID stuff's not over, we're going to come together and have some family time. We're going to eat. We're going to shoot some fireworks so our rednecks are happy. There you go. We'll have to pray on that one, John. <laughs> you can bring your Nerf gun. <laughs> um, we are going to have a Nerf party or for the youth coming up. I, what's that date? July 29th, 30th, 31st. We'll tell you about it. Um, but it, it's going to be a time for the youth because that week of the revival, it throws our youth schedule off. Instead of doing the second and fourth Thursday, we'll do the second and fifth Thursday because there's five Thursdays that month. Um, and, and so people that want to do a Nerf 
war, we're going to do a Nerf war, and we realize that there may be some people in our youth that don't want to do a Nerf war, so we're doing something else creative with painting or something for them. Um, so we'll continue to announce that. It's way over a month away. All right, speaking of youth, I need to ask something, and I need to challenge. Good thing to challenge on Father's Day. We need a male to step up and help lead in the youth. I'm not asking for a raise of hands right now. I'm asking for you to pray about it. Either come see me or come see Ryan and Mandy. Um, if God puts it on your heart, we don't want you to do it just to take on something. We want you to do it because it's your calling and God puts it on your heart. If he puts it on your heart, please, we need a little bit of help there. And this would be a good time to remind the men that we need to have a men's group and have a leader step up there. Is this on? <laughs> All right, I'm going to be fast today. Today's Father's Day. Anybody remember what I talked about a year ago on Father's Day? I mean, I could have just re-preached last year's sermon and nobody would have known it. Probably. <laughs> or last week's sermon or whatever. It's okay, I can't remember either. I had to go back and look. We talked about the biblical role of a father. And I challenge you fathers to step into that role. And I'm just going to remind real quick what some of those were. We challenge you to put God first in your household. To make an effort to put God first in your household. We challenge you to take a stance to serve the Lord first and show your family that stance. The comment we made was, you're going to serve something. All of us are going to serve something, whether it's money or hobbies or sports or stuff. It's kind of funny. A lot of that stuff got ripped away from us this year. So we have a perfect opportunity to reset fathers and put the Lord first, right? We talked about teaching your children scripture. Don't rely on your wife to be the spiritual leader. And all the men are going, wait a second, on Mother's Day, it was a good happy love discussion and compassion discussion. And the men's, I get challenged. And that's right. <laughs> it's your responsibility, fathers. And for some of you young people, you're not even, don't, don't check out because you're not a father. You're going to be a father one day. And some of you young ladies, you're going to be looking for a husband one day. The challenge for you is to find, to, if you're a young boy, you need to be the father that's teaching your wife and children scripture. If you're the woman, you need to be looking for that man that's going to teach you. So guys, it's not too late. Step up and teach your children scripture. God designed it for you to be the leader. We talked about what it meant to discipline your children biblically and why it's, that, why it's important. We talked about how it's important for men to have compassion, even though the world says don't have compassion. If you're a man, it makes you weak. We talked about how it makes you strong. And we talked about loving your wife so that your children get to see a good model of what loving their spouse looks like. Again, so the boys know how to be a loving spouse. And so the girls know what to look for so they don't get lured in by some controlling, non-Jesus-loving man. So I'm going to ask a question without a raise of hands, without an answer. How have you done with the challenge this year? Whether you remember the sermon or not, you should know if you become a better leader in your home this year. Now, wives, don't answer this question for your husband. I'm asking the husbands to have kind of that moment with the Lord of how have I done? Not to beat yourself up if you haven't, but just to evaluate how we've done. Have you become a better father, better leader, better husband? Or have you just treaded water and a year's passed and you can't believe a year's passed? If you've challenged and grown... 
Praise God, and I want to give a hand clap for those because I've watched some of you really grow. And I, I don't want that to be like a beat you up moment because I'm not going to point at anybody or try not to look at anybody specifically, but I've watched you men, some of you over the past couple of years, some of you over the past month or two, some of you over the past year, step up to be the man God wants you to be, and I'm very, very thankful to see that. But if you've not taken the challenge, I don't want you to beat yourself up. I just want you to take the challenge this year. Step up, invest time, invest energy into being a better father. Okay, so Father's Day. For some of us, Father's Day is a day of honoring a special man in your life, right? person that raised you, inspired you, taught you, showed you how to be a good husband, how to be a good father. For some of us, this is a beautiful day, and we want to honor our fathers. But for some... You sit here and listen to me say a few good things about a dad, and immediately you go, but I didn't have that. Or maybe it makes you angry, or maybe it makes you sad. And I think we've got to be careful that we don't just think that Father's Day is this glorious day for all people, because there's a whole world of people that don't have a father figure in their life. Maybe this is a day that brings up hurt, rejection, fear, abandonment. Maybe you're sitting here and go, I got both. <laughs> I had a terrible biological father. He left me. He rejected me. He abandoned me. But then I had a father figure or a stepfather or somebody step into my life and fill that role. So I just want to recognize that today is not a great, glorious day for everybody. For some people, this is a day of struggle. If you've had or have a terrible father... So this goes for the young people in here, including my kids. you got two choices. You can be angry and follow in his footsteps and be the same thing he was. Or you can take a stance to be different. You can take a stance to be better, to be a better husband, a better father. The thing is, I can stand here all day and encourage you to be a better father and husband. I can do my best to show you even though I'm not perfect. But you've got to take the step. You've got to make the decision of what you want to do. What do you want to be? It's up to you if you're going to be the same guy you've always been. Are you going to continually try to get better? I heard a guy say one time, a pastor, one of the most impactful statements I think I've ever heard. He said, you may see what you think is a good person here. Somebody who's changed. And if you know my past, you know I've changed a lot. A lot. But this time next year, I don't want you to see the same person. In other words, I'm not going to get comfortable and stop where I am. Praise God, he brought me up and gave me a second chance and has raised me to this point. But this time next year, I want you to say, I don't even recognize the guy that stood up there a year ago. And I don't mean to be a better preacher. I mean to be a better leader, to be a better father, to be a better husband, to be someone who fights spiritual warfare better and teaches. So that's my challenge to you guys. Fathers and mothers too. A year from now, on this day, will you be a better person than you are right now? So I was reading an article, and it was a guy reflecting on Father's Day, and this has nothing to do with Jesus. This is a real-world look at Father's Day. He said, as a child, I would see my dad periodically through the year. Since I was so young, I didn't really have a full understanding of the situation. All I knew was my dad was a funny guy who usually brought me gifts, and I loved spending time with him. But eventually, the day would end, and he would go home. And I'd just have to look forward to the next time I'd see him. 
the older I got, the more I learned about what happened between my parents. They had differences like a lot of people, decided the best thing for them would be to get a divorce. But when they got divorced, I wasn't born yet, so I didn't even know anything about it. I didn't know the circumstances or even what it really meant. And I spent a long period of my time thinking I was the reason my parents got divorced. I thought my father didn't want me. I wasn't good enough. Did you hear him say earlier, I wasn't even born yet? I thought he didn't want me. I thought I wasn't good enough. And that was why he felt like he had to leave. That feeling eventually went away as I got older. Unfortunately, it was replaced by anger. I was angry at my dad. I was angry he wasn't around. I was angry he didn't want to spend time with me. I was angry at myself for being angry. (laughs) The rejection, all that fear of abandonment, thinking he wasn't good enough turned into him not just being angry at dad, but being angry at himself for carrying all that. It just seemed so easy and logical to be angry. He wasn't around. I didn't know how to deal with it, so anger was the only way out. I shouldn't have let this affect me the way it did. Some of you guys track with what he just said because that was your father. And I'm asking you today to do your best to forgive that person so you can move on. But some of you are either okay fathers or you're good fathers. And this is a challenge. Your actions don't just have an impact in that moment for your happiness or who you can get along with. Your actions have a lifetime effect on the kids that you have in your household. A lifetime. This guy's living proof. Nothing about Jesus, nothing about redemption. All he talked about was his suffering from rejection, his suffering from his own anger, anger at himself. He realizes it shouldn't let him affect it the way he did, but he goes on an article to talk about he's been suicidal most of his life. So we as fathers need to understand the impact we're having on our kids, whether we realize it or not. I'm going to give a silly, stupid example for me. So about a year ago, we decided to buy a camper, and we decided to go on our first camping trip to Stone Mountain, Georgia. In the middle of that, we got a little puppy dog. (laughs) She decided to drink a bunch of our salt pool water, the day before we left, and apparently that will almost kill a dog. (laughs) We didn't know that. We just knew that every five minutes she had diarrhea over everything that she wanted to have diarrhea over. (laughs) Here I am in my mindset, I'm going away. This has been stressful with all the weddings and starting a church. This is just three months into starting a church. We don't know what we're doing. We're going to go away, and I'm going to have this relaxing time in the camper, and then I got this dog barking and yelping all night. So I get up in the middle of the night, and I yell a few times, but then I go back to, and and if you guys know me, you know I don't show a lot of anger that easily. Like, it takes a lot for me to snap. I go, Peyton said I snapped. I went to the back of the camper, and I screamed to the point that the next day I was looking at how my neighbors around the campsite were looking like, did they hear me at 2 in the morning screaming? And I started smacking the side of the cage to not hit somebody. And I'm like, shut up! I'm ashamed of that moment. But today, ask my kids what they remember about going to Stone Mountain, Georgia. (laughs) 
I didn't hit anybody. I didn't hit an animal. I didn't yell at my kids. Well, I may have. I yelled at a dog. Guess what? The dog was just barking because it needed to go back out again and have diarrhea. It was actually telling us it needed to go out. That was one of the lowest moments of my year last year. <laughs> but what's my... <laughs> Thank you, son. I actually feel better now. <laughs> what's my point? My point is a year later, I said, hey, we need to go camping. And Parker said, I want to go back to Stone Mountain, Georgia. And they said, can we not take the dog because you went off on the dog and slapped the cage? There were some really awesome things that happened on that trip. There were great memories, but where does our mind go? It goes to that painful moment. I'm giving you a silly example, but that's the reality of our lives. You do 30 good things, you'll be remembered for the one bad thing. So, guys, it's a challenge. I'm challenged. I can never slap a dog's cage like that again in front of my kids, my grandkids, your kids, nobody. <laughs> I promise I try to be a good dad and watch what I say and how I act. <laughs> I had to learn. <laughs> so my question for us today is, as a father, do you talk about Jesus when it's convenient? Or is your life consumed with Jesus in everything you do? Do I teach people to be careful with their words? Do you teach people to be careful with their words? But then turn around and use hurtful words against your kids yourself? Do I teach my kids to be gentle and loving and then turn around and show them me being harsh, quick to judgment, wrong emotions. So what I'm saying is if you're a father, and please don't tune out if you're not a father because this goes for all of us. Again, you young guys are going to be fathers one day and you young ladies are going to need to be looking for that man. Your little humans, no matter their age, from little bitty all the way up are watching every move you make. Whether you know it or not. You think they're over there playing a video game, but they're watching how you treat people. They're watching for your hypocrisy. They're watching if you're the same person Monday through Saturday that you showed you are on Sunday morning. They're watching how you treat your wife. So do you want to be, do you want to have a kid that grows up? With an example of how a man worked every day to be a better husband and father? I'm not asking you to be perfect. I'm asking you to be better. And that's going to look different for each of us. Or do you want to have your children remember the man I mentioned in the article that hurt their child, that struggles with rejection and anger because of what their father did to them? So again, I said earlier, if you had a terrible father or father figure, you've got to learn to let that go. We've talked about forgiveness before, and we teach a very simple model. Close your eyes, picture that person, and tell them what you need to tell them. Say what you can't say to their face. Tell them you forgive them because you choose to let it go so it doesn't torment you. And that's just a reminder, if you're having problems with that or you got questions because some of you weren't here and heard that sermon, we will walk you through that, I promise. I'm not asking you to go back to your dad and tell him everything he did wrong because if you do that, if he's still alive, you're going to hurt him if he's changed or he's just going to reinforce everything that you came to talk to him about in the first place. Maybe that man's dead. If you had a terrible father or father figure, please spend some time working through forgiveness.
You know, last year, I read a bunch of statistics about fathers. One in four children live without a father in the home. That's overall families. It gets worse when you look at what's going on right now. Mothers aged 18 to 22, four out of, the fi- out of five are not married. So that's a, a statistic of one in four is going to go up at this rate. We talked about how social and psychological experts have said that almost every social issue facing America today stems, stems from a father factor or lack of father. I want, you know, we're, we're, in a, we're in a time when there's racial tension being projected everywhere. And I watched a very respected man of color stand up and he said our issue is the lack of fatherhood. Our issue is a lack of fatherhood, and it doesn't affect one race. It affects all. Look at what's going on in our world. It's crazy. But how many of those kids don't have a father figure at home telling them what they're doing is wrong? Most of them don't even know what they're riding, creating chaos about. So if you're here today, you're a father, don't get caught in the trap of complacency because you're not that statistic. You've got to fight every day for your marriage. Satan wants your marriage. He wants you to become a statistic. I'm asking you to fight like heck to protect your marriage, to protect your children so you don't become a statistic. If you're a father and you've totally blown it, and see, I was that guy, totally blew it. But one day I decided it was time to take a stance and change. When I decided to leave chasing the world and chase my career, I had a three-year-old son who's now 10, and he asked me where I lived. I traveled so much as a salesperson. I was gone so much. I was like a grandparent that came home on the weekends. And he asked me where I lived one day. He probably doesn't remember that. I hope he doesn't remember that. He said, where do you live? Because I'd been home for, I'd quit my career. I was home for a couple weeks. He's like, where do you live? I live here. No, no, no. This is mommy and Bubby's house. Where do you live? I was that man, so I'm not beating you up if you've blown it. If you've blown it, today's your chance to change. Today's your chance to be different. This goes for fathers, mothers, children. Today's your chance to change. Let Father's Day be the day that you took a stance and said, I'm going to change and be the man that I haven't been. And I've walked with many of you men in here that have already done that, and I'm super proud of you. If you're a younger man here, a child that's not a father yet, I'm asking you to start trying to listen and understand what I'm talking about. Because you're going to be a father one day, probably. So dads, our children need us to be physically present. That's the statistic, right? You've got to be physically present, but they also need us to be mentally, emotionally, and spiritually present. And this is where I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to kind of talk about this, challenge it, and we're going to end today. But before the Industrial Revolution, so before factories and cars and all that, the average child was with their dad all day, especially boys, right? They were with dad in the field, taking care of the crops, taking care of the animals. Maybe the young ladies were in there with mom, taking care of the home or whatever that role was. So fathers worked side by side with their children. They taught them life skills. They taught them the spiritual values. But then dad left the farm and went to the factory. Well, different time period for different countries, but I'm talking 1900s, you know, for us. Dad leaves, goes to the factory. 
And dad's role shifted to be the breadwinner. And unfortunately, many of us still carry that today. That's what I was taught, and that's what I carried, was I'm supposed to be the breadwinner. If I'm, if I'm bringing home the money, she can take care of everything else. But that's not what God's called us to be. 1970, this was kind of the low point. In 1970, the average father spent seven minutes of quality time a day with their children. Seven minutes. It's a little better today. Today, the average father spends 35 minutes a day quality time with their children. I'm not talking about present at home in the room. I'm talking about quality time. So here's your tough questions, Dad. And I promise I'm not picking on anybody. How many minutes a day do you spend on social media? How many minutes a day do you spend watching TV? How many minutes a day do you spend playing video games, not with your child, by yourself? How many minutes a day do you play Clumsy Ninja or Candy Crush or whatever the latest iPhone thing is? That's the number one. I Googled it. That's the number one iPhone game right now. Don't download it. Yeah, we've got some work to do, folks. <laughs> My point is, I want you to evaluate where you're spending your quality time. I know you go to work. I know you come home tired. I know you want to veg out, but your kids need you to spend quality time with them. So last year, I focused dads to step into the roles. This year, I'm asking you, when you step into that role, continue to step and focus on quality time with your family. And that's a challenge for me, too. I looked at that social media one, and I was like, oh man, I got to stay in touch with what's going on in the world so I know what to preach about, right? <laughs> I got to know what I got to warn my kids against, but the reality is I'm vegging out, maybe not spending the quality time with them they need. So I'm going to give you some positive stats about spending quality time. Studies show that a child performs better in school if his father takes an interest in his education. Not in his life, not spending quality time, but if a child takes an interest in his education, son, what are you learning today? Daughter, what are you learning? Children have more confidence when their fathers spend time with them and show affection. I want you to think about something. Think about a superstar in sports. Who's the first superstar that comes to mind? Who? Michael Jordan? Okay, who else? Tiger Woods? Who? Who? Okay, bad example for my point. <laughs> my point is most sports superstars, if you get, you watch them, you idolize them, you revere them, they're the greatest at their sport, and then they do a documentary on them later in life, and you find out that they had terrible father figures, and all they were doing was trying to show their dad how good they were. And all they were doing was trying to prove to dad that they could do something, and that was most of them's motivation because they were told by dad they couldn't. But the stats show children have more confidence when their fathers spend time with them. See, that one superstar is kind of the, not the norm because the norm just goes away. Children have more confidence when their fathers spend time with them and show affection. Kids learn from watching their father's decisions and listening to logical explanations. 
What did it say in the opening video? The guy doing the spoken word, he said, a man talks about, or he talked about a child asking a question. And he said, followed by a hundred more. Anybody, any fathers that ever happened to you? Here's the bad thing. How many fathers get frustrated when their kids ask a lot of questions? They're going to ask and they're going to learn from somebody. Do you want it to be you teaching them logical things? Or do you want it to be the news right now or social media? So, guys, I'm encouraging you. When that kid comes to you and asks you 100 questions, let him ask 100 more. Let it wear you out. I know it's tiresome. I know you've worked hard before you got home. But your number one role is to spend quality time with that child. Teach them life skills. Teach them how to change a tire, how to budget. Yeah, I heard some, shoo. a lot of us needed to be taught how to budget, right? Coach your child how to learn from a failure, that failure is okay, and how you learn from it. I'm just throwing out something that came to my head. Don't tell them they're a disappointment. Coach them through the failure. Answer 100 questions and 100 more. That's quality time. But while you're spending quality time, I'm going back to last year, two scriptures. Proverbs 22, 6, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. While you're spending quality time, fill it with Jesus talk. Fill it with scripture. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9, love the Lord your God with all your heart. I'm assuming you've done that. With all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments I, that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So he's telling Tell your children everything all the time about me. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them up on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So fathers, I'm asking you to evaluate the time you spend with your child. Is it quality time or not? Are you spending time? Is it quality time? And when you spend quality time, you can teach them how to change a tire and you can still tell them about Jesus while you're doing it. You can teach them how to budget and still tell them about Jesus while you're doing it. Everything you do is that scripture says it should be, you should be telling them about Jesus. I'm going to give you an example of something stupid that happened to me yesterday. <laughs> so we got two stray dogs that came up. We actually want dogs for our dogs. So anyway, it's a God thing. We got to clear a spot to make a pen for them out here. So they don't tear up everything. We're clearing out brush. And I take this big old huge log and throw it onto the wood pile. And when it lands, it lands on the opposite end of a limb that comes up smacks me right in the chin. And it was a moment where I had to stop and take inventory. <laughs> Teeth seemed to be all there. There's no blood, but man, things feel different. Like where my tongue's rubbing my tooth and it feels like half of it's gone. Run back inside. Yes, I got two chipped tooths, and it really hurts to open my mouth right now. <laughs> but on the way to church this morning, as I was telling my sons about it, I said, you know what? I stopped in the moment and prayed for God to heal me when I was screaming down the hill to get to a mirror to see the damage. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I thank God that it didn't hit me in the nose and break my nose or it didn't hit me in the eye and put my eye out. What's my point? Stupid thing happened. I can't do anything about it. It's embarrassing, okay? 
My teeth don't look the same now. Don't look at them. But the point is, I can still find an opportunity to tell my kids about God through it. You're driving down the road, and a car swerves and almost runs you off the road, and you don't run off the road. Teach your kids how to thank God in that moment you didn't have a wreck. I'm talking about simple things, guys. I'm not talking about being a seminary teacher to them throughout their lives. I'm talking about showing them God and the small moments. So in the opening video, he ended with leaving a legacy. So I want to ask you, you fathers, what legacy are you leaving for your children? What legacy are you leaving for your children to show them how to be a father? What example of being a father are you going to give them? And I'm going to end today with a blessing. I've challenged you. I've tried to be vulnerable and share. I've tried to be short. And I want to bless you as you leave. Number 6, 24 through 26, it says the Lord bless you and keep you. If you're a father right now, I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to picture that Jesus is sitting right beside you in that pew. And he's got his arm around you. And you hear these words from him. I bless you and keep you. My face shines upon you and is gracious to you. My face has turned towards you and gives you peace. And we're going to play a song to end out. You guys can go if you want to go. You can stay in worship. But we're going to end with a song that just repeats that blessing over and over and over again. It's the simple words to this song. Mm-hmm.